Hello everybody, it's Jordan here and welcome to the third episode of the Chivelo Coaching Podcast. This is a bit of a different episode. We actually recorded this a while ago as part of a interview series for our Trivelo athletes only, uh, but we have decided to upload it onto this podcast series because it was a really valuable interview. And I actually don't feature in this interview. This interview, normally I'm interviewing our head coach, Jared, my dad. Uh, but this time, Jared actually interviewed ex-Olympic athlete Julian Painter. And it was a really exciting interview. Julian gave some absolute nuggets of stories and information of what it takes to be an athlete at the highest level and exactly what took him there. So really looking forward to this episode. Jump on in, have a listen to Jared and Julian's interview, and we'll see you in there. Welcome everybody to the fifth episode, I think, of the Monday Wrap. Um, Trivello Coaching are really excited to uh, introduce uh, a really special guest and a good friend of mine, uh, Julian Painter. Welcome, Julian. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Julian Painter is, he's uh, first and foremost a member of the giant Celtic race team, but I could have said mm. he's an Olympian. And I gave everybody the... Uh, the kudos for last week that uh, Julian was going to be on board and I'm really pleased that he's agreed to discuss some of the real um, things that he experienced. Um, the Olympics, as everybody knows, is the highest event um, possibly in sport um, and to have Julian as a part of our team, uh, as a, a, a cyclist in the Giant Celtic Masters road team, um, and to have his experience in our team is something that we really value. And uh, we're really pleased to be able to have this opportunity to talk to you, Jules, about um, what it took to get to the Olympics, number one. Yep. What was the experience like at the Olympics? Um, how did you deal with the, uh, uh, the nerves of uh, the anxiety of um, the whole nation watching you, um, mm. the pressure of that event, uh, and what it took uh, for you to get there? That's probably uh, the two things I want our, our Trivalo coaching athletes to really understand about... Um, you know, we can't get an, a bigger event than the Olympics. And look, sure, we've all got smaller little events that we try and race towards that are very important in our lives, But uh, and we have anxiety with that, and we have preparation for that, but this is probably the ultimate. So we really want to get inside your mind and uh, see how you dealt with that. Yeah, no problem. Happy to help. So to start off with, uh, really, just a little bit of history about uh, what your up upbringing was um, what sports you played um, where you're from first of all introduce yourself a little bit Jules to the listeners yeah I grew up in Maui in country Victoria um, and little athletics um, soccer football um, yep. played representative soccer yep. and then I was just lucky enough at, at around year nine I wasn't doing any athletics and I I made a um, uh, a state cross-country team and I was the last person picked yep. and I went and got coached um, there was a, a local legend Joe Carmody yes, that used to yes. coach down at um, the track at Newborough and went and trained with him and I started training with him in mid-May and the nationals were in mid-August and we trained really hard yep, and at yep. the same time I was doing soccer and football yep. and uh, was went, it was it an event that got you in year nine that you did well in that made you think I want to try out for the cross country or uh, you just it naturally was just, I was at just at that right age you yep. know where kids are at the top end of the age group and yep. and uh, so I, I won you know I won my school cross country I won yep. the zone the region yep. and then went to the state titles and finished eighth and I was the last person picked 
And so I thought, oh, I better do some training. I'm going yeah. to nationals. And, yeah. and that was all big and exciting. And so I trained really hard and, and um, went to Sydney and I finished eighth at the state titles. And I went to the nationals and I finished eighth. And right. I was the second Victorian. Right. And so I'd gone from a lot of team sports and you know had good success but all of a sudden it was like if i put in i'll get the results yeah and yeah. so then that next summer um just ran for glen huntley ran for yep. my local track yep. club um your newborough and it pretty much athletics was the path from, yep. from there on yep. that success initial success gave you the idea that you were you were keen to pursue that and the soccer and the footy and the other sports um that you'd done done that that enough and now you were sort of thinking right I've got a little bit of a career here. Uh, I don't know about a career, but I think, you know, it was, I played, I was in like junior squads for football. I only played football for a couple of years and then I was a soccer player and played for Vic Country yep. at that level, at state championship level and tried out for the state squad once. Um, but then all of a sudden I was in a Victorian team and I was competing on at the Nationals. And, and then that next, that next summer... Um, I went to the national junior titles and got, I think, second in the 800 and third in the 1500 and fifth in the 3K yep. and, and got to travel to Hobart. So all of a sudden there was these trips and these things were happening and it was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, okay. You're sort of 15 and travelling around. And, but, um, and we trained with Joe and we had a, an amazing group of kids just from that Moey yeah, area. Yeah, and um, I, I want to talk to you about Joe Carmody and look, I grew up in Warrigal, um, which is only 20 minutes away from yeah. Moey and I know Joe Carmody um, as a coach and my dad knows him and so it's quite intriguing because I was watching you as a junior come through yeah. the ranks and and Julian was a standout and my younger brother raced against Julian and we would be saying, how are we going to beat Julian Painter? Um, and it was near impossible because he was such a standout in the local community of Latrobe Valley. Um, but the thing I wanted to ask you about was um, when that group and squad got together, um, do you think that was the turning point, uh, being coached uh, with, a, with a program that included others who you were competing against? Uh, to a degree. I mean, it was still... The training was still fairly individual, but the, the group runs were, you can imagine, juniors. They weren't easy. So it was like Joe would drop us off and he would go, I'll see you at your lawn north. And it was just, woof, everyone would take off. Um, the training was very specific and and you didn't real, we didn't actually tr run on the track as a group. And what used to happen is say we were doing um, a 200-metre program and you had a 200 meter rep in a certain time with a certain recovery and so other people would start um, either just after you and then they would be catching you and they were meant to be doing the same time as you but it was just this little thing of this challenge so they might be slicing a second or two off their yep. recovery um, and, yeah. and just getting closer and almost yep. made them look like they were being better so it was very competitive at yep. training yep. and um, and the most competitive days, we would go for, um, Joe would pile everyone in the cars and there'd be a load of us go down to Wilson's Prom and we would run all day. And those runs um, might be a, a 12K run to start the day and it was straight out at Derby River and anyone that's been down there, it's straight up a hill and, yep. and running down to Tongue Point and up over the, the Sparks Lookout and, yep. and then sand dunes and then lunch and then another run and then we'd do a time trial up to the top of Mount Oberon and yep. and the, the most competitive run was the one at the end of the day. It was 
along um, Whiskey Bay and, and it would be about a 600 metre time trial and there might be 12 of us and the, at one point there's eight of us were state champions at different age groups different mm. you know from 400 meters up to 1500 so and we i used to set the handicaps and um so there would be about 12 of us charging down the beach off of certain handicaps and that was at the end of the day and, and in those days we'd run you know 20 25 kilometers but at intensity so yeah they yeah. were big big training days yeah and certainly uh already from a young age you've you've uh, developed a, an idea and a a notion that um to get anywhere you had to uh do some training and yeah. and th- that that would have been so obvious to you from the very first time you ran at the state level mm-hmm. like you mentioned to the national level you were eighth at state and yet you came eighth at national which was second fastest Victorian. So you've improved six places mm. against your state guys. So that incentive for you would have been huge and the motivation to... That, that was the turning point. Yeah. And, I, and I think also having Joe, you know, through that period... Yep. Um, Directing you. you. Know, he would yep. pick us all up from school yep. um, and drive us. We'd come down to Melbourne sometimes three times a week, you know, for yep. school athletics. Yep. Um, Glenn Huntley, when I was running A grade on a Thursday night at Olympic Park and then be down running into club on Saturday at Duncan McKinnon and, and then competing at Warrigal on a Sunday. Yep. So, so lots of was, travel and lots of... Um, yeah, travel, but there were, it was great fun. Yeah. yeah know, it was yep. good fun and, yep. and, you know, I never felt like I was missing out on anything because, yep. you know, I was yep. travelling, um, yep. you know, lots of cross-country trips and, yep. and track, um, yep. you know, all schools, all high. So yep. lots yep. of... And then jun- trying to make junior trips um, for um, for athletics. Yep. Um, so obviously it's motivating when you've got um, a group around you, um, and that's one of the things I wanted to get across to the guys we coach is that it's re- really important that uh, it's an individual sport as we've mm-hmm. discussed, but you know the team and the people around you, such as your coach and the other runners, and of course you had high level runners around you. Um, that really played an important part and role in your development as a as a really successful runner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, from growing up in the local area, and then when I came to Melbourne, um, I would still you know do my training, but the the group runs. So I used to run with the packs, so Chris Wardlaw and yep. um, other guys like Robbie O'Donnell, who was a couple of time national champion and and at cross country and there was other guys that used to run with at Fernie Creek on a Sunday so you used to yep. do your long run in that bunch yep. and yep. and then going to Canberra at the Institute of Sport there was a, a fantastic again training yep. group yep. Um, and then when I came back to Melbourne uh, before the Olympics to try and make the Olympic team it was really important that I had that group yep. so yep. Um, so it's always been around having a good training group because that's what is probably motivating for yep. you that you it's always a lot easier if you know you've got going to meet people yep. Yep. um so and i still find that today with cycling it's much more motivating if i know i'm meeting somebody or there's yep. a meeting point versus yep. just going out for a ride by myself yeah yeah and look one of the messages we've been trying to get across to people is that uh, there are certain sessions that are really good with the group mm-hmm. yet there's other sessions and you would have experienced this because you can't run hard or cycle hard if we're mm. using two examples every session mm. and you would have understood that and the oh, ones big time yeah the, the group runs were the ones where you wanted to really have guys better than you yep. to push you and then the ones where you really need to recover you don't want to be around other people mm. you want to actually recover properly yep. and that used to be like you know when it got up to the full training regime you know fridays were easy day 
And, yep. and I used to sort of say to people, you know, do you want to go for a run? They go, oh, no, you're way too fast. I said, not on a Friday. Yep. Like that was just an absolute um, plod yep. you know, type of and thing. And did people get a shock when if they came with you and thought, that, you know, they know what level of runner you are? Uh, yeah, I and think. And see think you running slowly was slowly, that slowly, and I just it's active recovery. Yep. So that those type of runs were, you know, people would go, you need a rest, but you sort of felt better after having been yep. for a run and getting the body yep. moving again, and even um, though the intensity is not there, it was yep. it was just yep. it was so a really integral part of your training, wasn't yeah. it? That, that recovery run. Yep. Yep. Um, so look, moving past a little bit of the history to mm. what got you into running um so let's get a little bit more involved in how you actually decided that yeah i think that i could make the olympic team mm-hmm. was there a point where you started running well enough to start going through that thought process uh, yeah I, I moved from that sort of i guess a lot of guys um you know probably even more talented than myself um you go from juniors into seniors and I think there's along that journey there's lots of little decisions that that will ultimately add up to that final decision and so i probably just made a lot of decisions that really led me towards becoming that runner yep. and uh so you know you still went out and i lived at melbourne uni and had good fun but there was a lot of nights where i didn't go out yep. you know that kind of thing yep. because i did have a long run the next day or yep. i had yep. state championships i remember i'd been away um, uh, on a junior trip and I came back and it was O week at uni which is yep. massive um, and I had state championships that weekend and, and so I, I couldn't partake yep. so made up for it on Sunday night but, you know, <laughs> but, but it was that whole thing is yep. that you sort of had to prioritise and then going to the Institute of Sport that's the next step so yep. you're surrounded by people um, in all different sports and setting had, examples for had you this, yeah, yeah examples and um and so then, and at that time I was training with Rob DiCostello, yep. you know, and he was yep. leading into Barcelona in 92 and, yep. and he's a legend. Yeah, you know, so, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, by, and you're getting exposed to these other runners. So Simon Doyle at the time, yep. he was like, yep. you know, ranked about third in the world at 1500. Yep. And, yep. and um, so there was all these runners, Sean Crichton, Pat yep. Carroll, Andrew yep. Lloyd, yep. they were my training buddies. Yeah. And so that you were just feeding off. Yep. Um, and then probably... Uh, in 92 I didn't go overseas and I stayed here and I ran and won um, the city to surf in yep. Sydney yep. and out sprinted Andrew Lloyd to yep. win so from that it was sort of most I could compete yep. and beat these guys yeah, yeah. Um, and so Andrew Lloyd went on to win the Commonwealth Games 5,000 meters well he won it in 90, 90 so yes yeah so, so he was already oh, before you yep. right, yeah so, so commentary they gave me no chance as we turned yep. on the esplanade to head to the finish yep. and I yep. kicked away but um and you're not known as a an out and out sprinter and your cycling certainly we call Jules the diesel mm. so he doesn't have a big sprint so yep. as a runner were you a bit of a diesel runner or ah uh, yeah yeah I yep. don't have that real even as a runner I didn't have that change of speed yep. so uh, how did you mentally get past because uh, Andrew Lloyd had a sprint because that's how he beat the Kenyans in that yeah, 5,000 yeah. meter yep. final he came from nowhere with 200 metres to go. Yep. Is that right? Yep. That came, came back. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think I could sprint, and I think it's a, 
relative at the end of a race if it's really hard. Yep. Um, and I just got a bit of momentum and adrenaline, yep. and away I went. Is that so. uh, feeling of uh, I want it more than the other person? Did you think that that came into play a bit? Your mindset was I think I'm going li- to win this a little bit, and I yep. think sometimes fortune favours the brave, which you know I say yes. quite often. Yes. Um, is that instead of sort of waiting and reacting to somebody's move is is i initiated it yep. and sometimes it's harder for somebody to react to your move than it is you know yep. you're trying to chase somebody else yeah and that's pretty relevant in a lot of the the athletes we coach now is uh how do they get around the criterium circuit do mm. i just sit in or do i do something or do i want to be a spectator or do mm. i want to be an active player yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting that uh, an event like that stands out for you. That you know, people gave you no chance. Yeah, um, no chance. And and then I think from there, you know, I made Com Games in '94, and then and then really from there, it was like everything then is, is channeling towards um, the Olympics. Yeah. So '96 so was the uh, was the Atlanta Games. Yep. Um, so at what stage was the selection uh, races in between uh, Commonwealth Games in 94? Where were they yep. in Canada? Uh, Victoria, British Columbia. British Columbia, yeah. yep. And so did you do well at the Commonwealth Games? Uh, no, unfortunately, I had a um, plantar fascia injury. So yep. I ruptured the plantar fascia in my foot So um, before, so that hindered my performance at the yep. Com Games. Yep. but. That all got fixed up, and then the lead up to the Olympics. Pretty much, there's a qualifying period. So, yep. uh, from about July the prior year, you can start to post qualifying times. Yep. And um, they set up a race, um, a 5,000 meter race, uh, which the old Olympic dream. So there used to be a fun run, yes, and then yep. they used to have the 1500 meter races. Yep. But this year they set up a 5,000 meters, and so myself, Sean Crichton, and a few other guys were running, and they had a couple of Kenyans run, and yep. and so. 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning at Olympic Park, they set us off, and um, I just had a, a great race. I really trained um, really well yep. uh, for that year. I travelled overseas, come back, and really put my head down and yep. and settled yep. into Melbourne and trained and ran 13:24. So, so everything was geared to this qualifying time. Um, from from a year out, you've you've sort of set your set your target. You need to get this qualifying time. For those yep. who don't know. Uh, most uh, athletics events um, you can be the national champion um, but you might necessarily get selected unless you've reached the A qualifying, qualifying time, time. Yep. there is a B qualifying time in most events mm. but uh, you're guaranteed selection if you hit the qualifying yeah, time yeah they, they chop and change their, their selection policies a little bit but you sort of just had to do as many A standards as possible. So ran the thirteen twenty four, and then um, we're talking five thousand meters here. And for those of you who don't understand what that is, that's uh, twelve and a half laps of a four hundred meter track. Yep. And you're clocking sixty four seconds 60. per four hundred. Yep. Um, and that's pretty exceptional. Um, yeah. But but that's quite different to actually a championship race. Explain explain the difference between... Yeah, a, when you're chasing a qualifying time, you, you're trying to probably run a, a steady pace almost, you know, so you can come home and and the, the pace doesn't probably vary too much. But you see... Does that suit you better, that style uh, of racing? That, that suits me better, um, probably going from a fast pace fair way out, and yep. that's, that's good for me. Um, championship races you can be running around and running laps at 72 73 seconds and then all of a sudden it's a 58 yeah and you've still yeah. got six laps to go yeah and the kenyans will 
just run uh, varied speeds. Yes. Yep. You know, so we did try and do a lot of that training, uh, fartlex type of training yes, and okay. things. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, so I qualified 13.24 and then a couple of weeks later I um, ran a 10,000 metres and ran 28.03 and qualified as well in the 10,000. So right. I had two qualifiers and and then um what what stage of the year was this uh november and december and uh, so, and when was the atlanta games what, what uh what? about july the following yep. year so you had six so. months from that point so there's another point here that we'd like to sort of just touch on which is peaking so mm-hmm. you had to peak in november and then re-peak for the biggest event of your career yeah you pretty um, much had to be at a, a fairly high standard um right through the summer because yep. you had to sort of keep yep. competing and and it got to the national championships and um so i won the national champs and then how did you go with your times at the national champs and that's uh again it comes down to you're racing that's so exactly, some yeah. so sometimes you're racing yep. and then sometimes um you know it's a it's a it's a fast race so yep. i had the qualifying time so it wasn't in my interest to lead other people around yeah um so but yeah, I'd run qualifying times. I'd got, had a bit of illness, but then came back and then ran a PB um, fifteen hundred. So I ran three forty, and yep. and so that was all good. And then got picked in the team. And so then, as soon as you pick, then you sort of, I went straight into sort of. Um, I had a an easy week, I remember, and then then it was back into just base building, so just yep. mileage and yep. and almost winter training, even though the weather was summer. Um, yep. was summer. Um, and I remember one specific training session, I told you this the other yep. day, that we used to do this training around the tan and, and so run a big lap of the tan hard and then run up to Como Park and we'd be running this, anyone knows at Como Park, it's an oval and it's sort of embanked around a hill and it has an old cross-country course yep. that, you know, you had to run around this specific tree and yep. up down across the oval yep. and it was about 15 minutes of all this running and there was you sort of had to run up this hill a couple of times and there was a park bench and there was this guy sitting there yep. and he's seeing me run and I'm charging across the oval and running up the hill and I've finished all on your own all on my own and seriously like I was going really well so it was a really <laughs> good session and I've finished and I'm heaving breathing you know <laughs> and this guy he looks at me and he goes you are the fittest footballer I've ever seen <laughs> and I didn't want to sort of I didn't poppy's bubble i didn't sort of say well i'm actually off to the olympics for in a couple of months but but that was sort of the base training we did um a lot of mileage so i was doing um 100 110 mile a week so 160 170 kilometers a week and and that was day after day so that was no my easy day i didn't have a day off yep so so a lot of physio massage running um and uh gym and strength work so as well yeah and look that's pretty mind-blowing for people to hear that you know um but that's what it takes to get to the olympics you really have to have um a program that's going to you know you're going to be running against the kenyans you're going to be running against the best in the world and and you have to put the training in and obviously you understood what you needed to do and your mindset at that time must have been not even thinking about geez this is hard but what it's going to be like on the day i better be prepared is yeah. that the way you were thinking yeah it's it's one that you just got to believe in the process you've got to um not worry about the things that you can't control and the things i could control was you know how how i was running what i was doing was i you know stretching enough was i yep. eating the right foods yep. 
those type of things. I wouldn't sort of say oh, I was absolutely um, militant on it all. Yeah. There's an element of, yeah. I think if you get too tense about yeah. everything and start overanalyzing and things like that, yeah. then yeah. Um, those type of things are almost a detriment to your performance where yeah. you've got to sort of go with the flow because y- you might be on race day and, and if something goes wrong, um, what's going to happen? Does mm. it all crumble? Is it mm. a house of cards? So mm. you've got to have an element of, you know, geez, I've got a bit of a twinge in the calf. It doesn't mean my whole preparation's wrecked. Yeah. It's yeah. more like, okay, I need to do easy. And it's almost like sometimes you've just got to take your medicine yes. and just get over yeah. the, yep. the issue. And, and you might miss a couple of days or do what are some other things you can do in terms of cross-training um, yeah. that can get you through Fulfill, that period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was always an element of, yeah, Sure, you'd prefer to be running, but yep. but there was elements of the cross training or things that you used to do as well. But certainly, believe in the process. Um, be confident in the sessions that you are doing. Um, don't try and make any session a super session. Mm. So where you know, yep. if we're trying to do something, um, we used to do eight four hundreds with a two hundred meter float in between. Don't do them in sixty. Mm. You know, like it's mm. it defeats the purpose of mm. you know, and you mm. might walk off and go, wow, that's an amazing sh- session. But tomorrow you can't do anything. Tomorrow yep. you can't do, yep. and all of yep. a sudden, you know, your, your processes come Ch- to a halt. It's changed. You know, yes. So, yep. so that was. Um, it's it's almost like a chess game, isn't it? You've got to get all the pieces in the right order, the right mm-hmm. position. Yeah. And if you if you make a mistake in in any of your aspects or or the training sessions that you've got planned and you deviate too much, it's at your detriment, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the other thing is, is for me, is was listening to my coaches. So if they're telling me something, you don't know the best. Mm. You know, so t- trust that they're telling you something from uh, an age of experience, an age of wisdom. So they were pretty good in terms of guiding me in terms of what yep. I should be doing. Yep. Um, sometimes, you know, when you were younger, you'd run... I do runs that were too intense, you know, mm. too too fast. Mm. So I was being pulled up on those type of things in terms of just going, no, you don't need to be just yeah. because you run a really fast ten miler yeah. and it was easy, yeah. um, doesn't mean it's actually good. Yeah. You know, so yeah. the intensity sort of had to be at certain levels, yeah. and then that would sort of allow you to sort of then do a track session the next yeah. day at a greater intensity. Yeah rather than carrying the yeah. tiredness from the day before. Yeah, but look, you and I have spoken many times, as we do when we ride side by side on the bike mm. quite a bit, and we're talking about the old days and what mm. you used to do, and you often told me that, you know, uh, keep your high intensity for when you put your number on. Yeah. And and that was, you know, you don't want to be a great trainer. Mm. You want to be good at training, yep. but you want to be a great racer. Yep. And you have got some classic uh, stories about that, haven't you, really? That- yeah, I think um, it was always a case, and even in, you know, cycle racing or road racing, um, is it's, it's easy. People can sort of race in training. Um, and there's no number on so it mm. doesn't matter it's, e- it's easy to be the, the winner when everyone else isn't really trying mm. but when everyone p- pins a number on and they want to be first across the line that's when it counts yeah. and, yeah. and I always enjoy in a race you know um, I'll always leave it out there like I'll put it on the line or um, push the limit and that was the same in running is that I like to sort of push other guys until they break yeah. I'm not the one that's going to, because I don't have that kick at the end, but yeah. but certainly I'll grind them into, I'll the, ground. Grind them into the ground yeah. and try, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and try yeah. and be smart about yeah. it. But um, And you've identified your strengths, and that's another thing that we want to uh, get across to the to the listeners in, that you you understood 
what your strengths and weaknesses were mm. and you would implement that into your tactics. Yep, I think to a degree, um, certainly there's some limitations in terms of if it's a really choppy type of race or it's going to come down to a sprint and then you know, you, you'll compete but you sort of know that maybe you're not there. But yep. but then I have won races in sprints as well. So yep. about yep. just being smart and yep. learning from the other guys you ride with in yep. terms of you know, yep. how you position yourself. But yep. at nationals and things like that, um, when I ran, uh, there was times where, yeah, I'd, I'd win in a, you know, in a kick, but it wouldn't be in the last 50 metres. It yeah. would be, it'd be <laughs> sort of... 1500 meters to go or mm. you know or yep. you know 200 meters to go sort of thing and with a big last lap yeah and uh look we've sort of talked a little bit about um uh, the preparation and and, mm. and uh, what it took to get get to the olympics so now you've been selected to the olympics mm. you've done your prep time um you've been given your, your jacket and your tracksuit and yep. you're now an australian olympian yep. um um, obviously, that would have been a sensational uh, period in your life, and we'll just spend a minute just getting some yeah, idea of um, how that felt. Uh, it was all a bit surreal, I think, because every, all your friends that you're with, they're all doing the same thing. So there was amazing things happening every day. Yep. Um, so, so just um, you know, going from the sort of movies like. Once we arrived in the village at the time, um, just seeing these amazing people from all yep. over the world, yep. like amazing female athletes, amazing male athletes, famous people. Um, it wasn't uncommon to be walking through the village and, you know, Bill Clinton would be over there. Or um, I remember one morning I was eating breakfast and looked and pretty much a couple of metres away was a guy called Tony Kukok who played for the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan at the time. Yep. Um so he was a superstar. Yep. Um, so. So. Uh, so then, um, uh, you know, just all these things were sort of going on, and it was just amazing that everyone was experiencing these same yep. things at the same time, and and um, you were sort of excited, but also we had a job to do. So yep. you know, we had the opening ceremony. Um, we. Um, that was and that was a bit of a, a logistical task, you know. Yep. Like, so we had to sit in this stadium next door to where the main stadium was, yep. and um, it was stinking hot. But we were there for about four hours before the opening ceremony, yep. and we're yep. sitting there in jackets and, yep. Yep. and things. And then and were you worried about that affecting your, your preparation? Because your you told me your event was at the end of the program. Yeah, um, we certainly had we had time. Um, and it was, I mean, we're sitting in the stadium. They had lots of food and drink for the athletes. Um, then we all got walked into the stadium, and Australia was one of the first yep. countries. So that was all exciting. It's done and alphabetically. And I've got this yep. um, amazing picture of, you know, the whole Australian team in front of me. And, and I look at that moment as that's the moment I became an Olympian when I right. walked into the yep. stadium. Yep. And then, but then we're on the infield for for hours. Yeah. And, yep. um, and athletes don't like standing no, as well. No, so no. well, there was the sitting down, but then it was exciting, you know, when the American team came in and there was the, um, you know, the dream team, yep. you know, yep. Shaq. And, Being the and, home Olympics for yeah, the a- Atlanta. And, oh, Michael yeah. Jordan, all these, yep. these superstar athletes. And yep. then Muhammad Ali lighting the flame. Yeah, and yeah. Things, so, and you were all there. And then, yeah. But then we had about, I think I had about another eight days until I competed. Yeah, so yep. as much as you were getting caught up in it, you still had a job to do. Yeah. It must have been really hard. You almost, I mean, growing up watching the Olympics and now you're in the Australian team and you're walking yep. into the to the uh, opening ceremony. It'd be hard to sort of say, oh, 
I want to soak this up and enjoy it, but I still I've got a job to do. Mm. And how did you how did you cope with that? How did um, not try and let your emotions get carried away I there? Or you sort of took little bits in. I think yep. now I reflect back and and it's good memories. Yep. I, I think I said to you earlier, it's a bit like a movie I've watched. Like yeah, it's so yep. far removed of what my life is now, but yep. I, I look back and it's like a movie. But um, the you've got those highlights. I think the. The other moment that really I was very fortunate of, as much as it was an inconvenience, because everything takes longer. Yes. Like even if you're going for a training run, you know, the yep. time you've got to organise, because we couldn't go for a training run around the village. It was too busy. It was too hot and it was very um, uh, uh, suburban around the, the, yep. the university where yep. we were. Yep. So, you know, the morning run would take, like to do a 30 or 40 minute run would take all morning because yep. the time to get to the shuttle car that had yep. to be organized yep. everyone's in the car we go to a destination we run somebody's running five miles somebody's running yep. seven miles yep. stretching all the time then you come back you got to go back through security which which took a, a mm. time mm. Um, and then you got back to your um, unit and or your room and then you had to shower and but and normally like a, a 30 or 40 minute run would take three to four hours yeah and that yeah. was your morning and then and then the other thing that was we had to be careful of was when we had to do some track running. Um, the track wasn't just there was a track in the university just to be used for athletes, um, but it wasn't just the the running right. athletes yeah. there. There was other sports. There was tennis players running up and down. There was you know old people that don't have any track sense. No etiquette for track. So, and, and so we're trying to sort of run around the track and do training and. You just wanted to be careful because you didn't want to run into somebody and twist an ankle, you know, days out from a yeah. competing in the Olympics. Yeah, and especially if Jordan, Michael Jordan was warming up, you wouldn't want to run into him and him yeah, get, get him injured it. as well. So, no, so. Um, yeah, so uh, the other thing that we, we wanted to really establish for our um, coaching athletes is what did you mentally feel about the pressure that was internal and external about your uh, obviously your, your heat your 5000 meter heat mm -hmm. um how did you cope um how did you deal and how did you strategize uh, your thought process around you know i've trained pretty much my whole life to this for mm. this day um obviously you want to get into the semis and then into mm. the final um how did you deal what what things to talk us through that how did how did you cope with that um i think the the best way was you worked out um, pretty early on uh, what was the best mindset for when you competed really well and I realized that I was when I was relaxed yep. so when I was relaxed yes and but also in a mind that I could and I still do it today if I've got a big race even for cycling is is that I'll it's almost like you're telling yourself you're gonna hurt and you got to be prepared to hurt and I think sometimes when, and that comes with confidence, you know, when you're really hurting in a race and then, you know, a move's going or something's going, it's not like, oh, I'm going to just sit back and wait. It's like, no, I'm going. It's not even a conscious decision. And so I realised that I had to be relaxed and, and, um, and the whole warm-up process was, you know, we had to warm up at a track that was separate to the main stadium and and it was really hot and there was a lot of excitement because you know michael johnson was breaking world records and and you all, and you're an athletics fan so you but yep. you sort of still had to warm up and you see all these other athletes you're about to compete with they're all warming up and they're doing this and it's just worrying about what you're doing but then we had to warm up and then 
it's so hot and sweaty but then you had to put your tracksuits and everything on because we were getting on buses that were so cold air conditioning to go back to the main stadium yep. Yep. and then you go through this whole checking procedure so they're checking your numbers they're checking your uniform they're checking the brand of spikes you've got on because you know you've said you're wearing adidas yes you're wearing adidas so there's wow. not this whole yep. chop and changing um, and there's a bit of warming up going on there, and then you've and this whole process. So your, your normal warm up would take 45 minutes. At the Olympics, it took an hour and a half. Mm, so your routine, really, these, which you had practiced for. Yes, so that okay. goes back and yep. being aware of it and yep. knowing. Yep, and so we'd done yep. a, f- a few run-throughs of just having an elongated um, yep. um, warm up. Um, but then you eventually got out on the track and you'd done some run-throughs and you're ready to go. And then there's a medal ceremony. And so everything stops. And your warm so up's your warm up, and so I had two moments, and it happened before my heat, and then I was lucky enough I made the semi final. But um, I got to sit down on the back straight, and I could have been on any track anywhere, but I was on the back straight of at the Olympics, yep. and I'm looking up, and there's the flame, mm. and that was mm. for me was surreal. That mm. was something that, um, and I was very fortunate that i just took that moment to take that in mm, that mm, it wasn't tingling isn't you know it? you yeah. sort of you know you sort of think oh that's something from a movie or something yeah, but it yeah. actually happened what a great to moment yeah so and so then that relaxed and i sort of made it through the um heat into the semi-final and then unfortunately didn't sort of make the final yep. but finished 26th overall yep oh brilliant um so you get to the line and you put your foot on the line mm-hmm. and you know, the guy runs along saying, take your foot off the line. Mm. But at that moment, for your heat especially, mm. um, what was, was there any negative thoughts going through your mind or were you totally no, I was, at I ease? Was, and I, was, I remember we had a, a pre-camp, you know, just and one of the psychologists there just said, just be sure to enjoy the moment. Yep. You yep. know, that you've done all the work and you think it's almost like you know you've done all this work and there's just this confidence. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I knew you wasn't going to win the gold medal but yeah. you just want to try and do the best you possibly can yeah, yeah and um and you're competing in a highly competitive event so as much as you know you go to the olympics there's events that you know they're all competitive but there's some that are bloody tough to win and, yeah, and yeah. the middle distance distance yeah, the ones the kenyans yeah. and yeah. Af- ethiopians yeah. and um and you know all african nations that it's very difficult and but you know, that's you do that and you run it and, yeah, and uh, yeah. give it a crack. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. Um, mm. um, like I often say to the guys, um, you know, when you stand on that line, whether you're in a triathlon or whether you're on a bike race, you jump on your bike. You know, you should be happy with your preparation. And that was that something that you that you you, know, you would have obviously you know not thought too much about that, but not not on the line. But yeah. I think it's that whole process and. Um, that all the years of training, all the commitment that you've made um, to get to that point to be able to, you know, about to run, yep. um, you don't want too many thoughts going through your head because sometimes the best races were when you can't even remember a thought at all. You know, yeah. you're almost yep. in the zone, yep. but you just wanted to have a good start and then get in a position that you were, you um, uh, weren't caught in, boxed in, yep. or anything, and or you could, and you could, or, re- and you yep. could react. Yep. Um, sometimes it wasn't bad if you ran wide, if the pace was slow, that yep. was all right. Yep. But but if you're trying to run really fast and, and you're out mm. wide, you're in trouble. Yep. Um, but it was just getting yourself into a good position to get through to the next stage. Yep. Yep. Um, so um, looking back on the whole experience, it's something that uh, you've you've got um, that you can. Uh, 
almost hang your hat on. Um, how, how can you use that experience? Um, and look, we're talking to everyday athletes here who are, you know, some are just recreational riders, some, mm-hmm. are, some are elite. Um, what experiences from that have you put into your everyday life and your actual sporting activities now? Because you're part of the Giant Celtic Race Team, yeah. which is uh, a, a group of Masters riders who... We compete at national level, state yeah. level, um, club level. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have a little bit of an advantage over most people, having put yourself at the highest level sporting event in the world, and to come down to a club race at Sandown, maybe is yep. is uh, do you do you sort of you must be more relaxed than you? I mean, you are a very relaxed person. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, seeing you at a race, it always calms me because I look at Julian and just go, "Well, he's raced at the highest." highest level why am i getting a little bit nervous here yeah have you been able to put that into practice i think again it's just that whole process whether it be a club race at sandown or compete at nationals or when we compete at the worlds in perth um is just be confident in the in what you've done um now yeah sometimes it doesn't always go to plan but i always sort of give thanks that we're able to do it yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of people that you know circumstances in life and everything. It's a perspective, yeah. and I think um, you know there's been a couple of in, you know things happen to friends or their their siblings that have given me a real perspective on life. Mm, um, mm. Is that it's not the end of the world if mm. it's a bad race. Yeah. Like if that's the worst thing that's going to happen to me. Yeah. Then, yeah. And that's a bit like you know with my whole running career is that I had a lot of injuries after '96 and. I was so close, you know, the, the year before Sydney, I was on track, I was going to make the team and yeah. I had ambitions of running in Sydney and then going yeah. on to Athens and yeah. injuries and it just, that blew it up. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, and my running career was pretty much over. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I was never disappointed or bitter about that. It was always like, well, you know, shit, I got to go to the Olympics. Yeah. How many people? I mean, there's only about 4,000 people in the history of Australia that have gone to the Olympics. Yeah. So it's you sort of go, well, go, when you look at it from that way, you go, geez, how lucky am I? Yep. And yep. that's even now, you know, going yep. to a race, a bike race or things like that, I go, how good is this? I get to yeah. go yep. do a race and yep. especially when I'm with the team and, you yep. know, I've got other buddies in the race and yep. I go, how yep. good's this? Yep. You know? yeah. or, so I love that camaraderie as yep. a team. Yep. Um, but and then just be calm and and I think I have a good knack for trying to pick the move as well because you know I've got to try and be in it. Yep. Um, and but if it's if I'm not in the move and a teammate's in it, then that, that's yep. that's a good result as yep. well. Yep. No, it's really uh, fantastic uh, insight, Jules. And look, we, we there was lots of things we wanted to talk about, which, which you and I have discussed over the journey, and we've known each other a long time, and there's so many stories that uh, we could talk about, but. Yep. We could go on and on. Um, we have to cut it a little bit short. Um, the, the main thing that really we wanted to get across to people was that, look, uh, no matter what level you're, you're competing at, mm. the system and the process is still the same. The mm. key thing that, that you would say, the one word that you would give to, to what has enabled you to be the athlete that you are is? Uh, I'd, I'd say, well, I have one little saying that I always go on about is uh, no dimmer switch on commitment. Yeah. And I think from an early age, you know, that was the thing that sort of got me through. Yeah. There was a lot of other people that had probably more talent than myself, yeah. but yeah. I had this real drive and determination to yeah. sort of really yeah. go on with it. And I still think to this day, it's in the training that I do and things like that, it's at the age you are, it's still no dimmer switch yeah. on commitment. Yeah. And, and, um, and that consistency just 
just keeps coming home the same message isn't it yeah and you know if you want to compete at a certain level or whatever it is or you want to chase a pb there's lots of little things that'll help you um get to that yeah 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 yep, fantastic just one question from behind the camera yeah there was talk of some interesting olympic stories in the olympic village yeah um, so, uh, was, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I guess for us, because we competed in the second week, we, you hear all these stories about, you know, what goes on in the village. And, um, but for me, I, I wasn't sort of involved in that, but certainly some of the other athletes certainly had a great time. And um, the swimmers finished in the first week and they certainly had a great time. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is when you're traveling and in teams and you're overseas and you know like we're on this training camp now and I was saying to Jerry this was my life until I was 28 is you just got to travel you trained in the morning you trained in the afternoon you know I was coming up here to Noosa in 94 um, where we'd just be running and then just lying around watching tv and and training and doing all those type of things and when you travel with friends and and some really close friends overseas and you're in far off foreign places you get yourself into some funny situations so but uh but no it was it was good fun and good memories and lifelong friendships were made so okay um we've probably uh, had um the best uh interview that i've had for a while because it's the only one we've had oh, jules there we go but uh now i really appreciate um uh giving your time uh, My and pleasure. uh it's something that i've always wanted to share and and look uh most of the uh the athletes that we coach um, in Trivalo coaching um, would really um, have been uh, loving everything and hanging on every word you're saying because uh, because it's an insight and you know we all we all see what happens on tally at, at that level of uh, competing and and it's really good to hear um, someone who's experienced it and and you are very calm about um, the way you go about things and you're very focused you're very committed um, the programs that, w- that we do mm-hmm. together um, you know I you're one of my a-grade athletes that uh, i'm really pleased to be uh, uh, associated with you and and i've learned quite a lot um from your mm. um example because of you've been competing at that highest level it's been great for me as a coach to uh to actually see how it should be done from an athletic point of view so it's really a great insight so yeah thanks again mate and um yeah i think that's a bit of a wrap george um is there anything else we need to talk no that's it that is everything for this episode We hope you really enjoyed it. I know I certainly got a lot out of it. Thank you, Julian, for being on the podcast. And that's it for today. So apart from that, we'll see you in the next episode. And as always, please leave some positive reviews if you liked it. If you have any questions, we've actually had some people asking us how do we ask questions. If you're in the Anchor app, you can send us a message to ask a question or you can actually record a question uh, as a voice recording. Otherwise, feel free to email me at jordan at trivelocoaching.com.au. That's jordan at trivellocoaching.com.au. With your question, we've actually yeah, had a lot of people asking, how do we ask questions? And if you want to keep it anonymous, that's fine. Just let us know. Otherwise, we'll read out your name and your question on the next podcast. Until then, we'll see you later.